0: I'm excited to continue on in this series that we have been in called The Blessed Father. Have you been enjoying this message series so far? Um, You know, today what we're going to do is we're going to step into now the meat of this series. And and I know you might be thinking like, it took you four weeks to get to the meat of the series. It did. Um, And that's because when we talk about generosity, we talk about finances, and when we talk about resources that God has entrusted to us to manage, if you don't look at that through the principles of the kingdom, none of it's going to make sense none of it's going to make sense. So, so we had to go back and unpack and reestablish principles of the kingdom in order to really understand what God has for us today. Does that sound good, everybody? All right. So can you guys hear me all right now? We've been having a little mic issue. If it gets really bad, Peter, just hang me a handheld, okay? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. And I want to read to you just a few passages of Scripture there. There's a few Scriptures there. I'm going to be all over the Bible today. But, but we're going to dive into really the meat of this series, of The Blessed Life, and really talk about these principles that I think are going to help you to live a blessed life. So here we go. It reads as follows. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Let me just paraphrase that. The Lord was pleased with Abel's offering, but he was not pleased with Cain's offering. So Cain became very angry and his face fell, meaning he got very sad. He was main, He was all in his feelings, okay? And so uh, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I'm calling the generous father, the generous father. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day, for your goodness, and your grace, and for all that this day has brought with it father now as we turn our attention to your scriptures i just pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word today lord god i have an assignment to talk about that oftentimes we don't like to discuss in church but god i pray that you're going to give us a grace that makes hearing the word easy and communicating it lord god that it would also just be a flow of your holy spirit today and as i speak to the audience lord god would you speak to the individual in jesus name we pray amen clap your hands everybody you may be seated Let's talk about the generous father. But before I do, let me tell you a quick story. So the story goes, there was this couple that just got married, a newlywed husband and wife. And they were getting ready to celebrate their first Thanksgiving together. And it was the young wife's responsibility to cook the ham for the family. So she brought the ham out. Before she put it in the pan to stick it into the oven, she cut the edges off of the ham. Uh, two inches on the right and two inches on the other side. And her husband was puzzled. He's like, why are you cutting the edges off of the ham? That's perfectly good meat. You know how us men get when it comes to our meat, right? So I was like, why are you doing that? And she said, well, this was something that I learned from my mother. He said, well, why? She goes, I I don't know. I'll have to ask her. So that's what she did. She went to her mom and she asked her mom, Mom, growing up, I saw that you would always cut the edges off of the ham before you stuck it into the pan and stuck it into the oven. Why do you do it that way? Mom says, you know, it's a great question. I don't have an answer for you. I do that because my mom did that. So she thought, you know what? I've got to run this to the ground. I need to know why we do this the way that we do this. So she calls her grandma. She says, Grandma... I was making the ham for Thanksgiving and my husband asked me why do I cut two inches off of each side of the ham and I don't know why I just know that that's what my mom your daughter did so why is it that you did it because she said that she learned it from you and the grandma began to laugh she said listen the only reason I did that is because my pan wasn't big enough for the ham this is the only reason why if your pan's big enough don't do that stick it in the oven And so I love telling that story, and if you've been here for a while, you've probably heard me say that story before, because oftentimes we do things without understanding why. We know what to do, but we haven't paused to ask ourselves, why do we do it this way? And today when we talk about the area of finances and generosity, and we're going to talk about tithing today, many of us don't know why. And so what will happen is we'll do it, we're happy to do it, but we don't know why. But then there's some of us that don't do it because we don't know why. So what I want to talk to you about today is generosity and how our Heavenly Father has first modeled generosity to to us and how we can model that back to God. So we're going to go into Genesis. And I read to you this story about Cain and Abel. Now Cain and Abel was a sibling rivalry for the ages. And it's hard to understand this story. As a matter of fact, it's hard to understand all of Genesis if you don't know how to read Genesis. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a five-minute course on how to read Genesis. So you all are enrolling into the Lighthouse Leadership College for five minutes today, okay? And I'm going to talk to you about how we read Genesis, because if you don't know how to read Genesis, you're not going to get a good foundation for this kingdom principle. So this is how we read Genesis. In Genesis, not only do you need to understand context, but you need to understand covenant. Can you say covenant? And you have to understand dispensation can you say dispensation and then what you need to do is figure out how these two things relate to the rest of the Bible so let me talk to you about covenant a covenant is an agreement that God makes with a person or a people group he makes an agreement with a person or a people group and when he makes that covenant with them that is a covenant that he made exclusively with that person or that people group. So what you cannot do is read the Bible and see God enter into a covenant with someone and think that covenant belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the person that God made that covenant with. Let me break it down for you. Pastor Joe and Madai, how many of y'all just love them? They were just up here making announcements? Well, they just recently bought a house. So when they bought a house, they entered into a contract, an agreement, or if you will, a covenant with their lender that they're gonna X, they are going to um for however the period of their loan is, they're gonna make X amount of mortgage payment on that, and that is their agreement, their covenant, their contract. Now, now if if they're um falling on hard times they can't call patty and say patty your friend joe is falling on hard times and he can't make his mortgage but since you're his friend we're calling you to see if you can make the payment for him she's absolutely not i'm that that covenant does not have my name on it i will not make his mortgage payment for him make sense But yet, sometimes we do that with the Bible. We read a covenant, and we try to put ourselves into the covenant. That's not how you read the book of Genesis, okay? And so you have to ask yourself, is this a covenant that God is making with somebody? Now, let's go a little further. Let's talk about dispensations, because again, I told you about dispensations. Well, a dispensation, if I simplify it for you all, simply means that it is a marked period of time in which God provides a specific way for salvation, okay? It's a marked period of time. It has a beginning and an ending, and God provides a specific way of being saved in that dispensation. So an example, Noah existed in the dispensation of what's called human government, and when God was getting ready to end that dispensation, he said there's only one way to be saved in this dispensation, and it's not water baptism. It's not being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's none of that. The only way to be saved is to, to what? Anybody know? How were you saved in, in when God was getting ready to end the dispensation of human government in the time of Noah? How were they saved? They got on the boat. All they needed to do was get on the ark, and they were saved. It's not that deep. Some of y'all were like, you know, you're trying to process all of this. No, no. So I'm looking at you guys all surprised. It's like, we got to go back to Sunday school. Okay, well, all you had to do was get on the boat. If you got on the boat, you're saved. Simple enough, right? Now, that was for that dispensation. Okay, I say all that because I got to get you to principle. Can you all say principle? Okay, here is what a principle is and why it was important to understand covenant and why it was important to understand dispensation. A biblical principle is an immutable truth, that means it does not change, that is present throughout all of the scriptures and continues throughout all time. That's a biblical principle. And what that means is these principles, ex- they, they these principles supersede covenant and they supersede dispensation because you see them in various covenants and in various dispensations. These are what we call biblical principles. They do not change and we see them throughout various dispensations, okay? This is a, a biblical principle. Now, Another thing that you need to know about biblical principles are biblical pro- principles are progressively revealed through the scriptures. They are progressively revealed, meaning you might see it in Genesis, but then in the book of Exodus, it gives some more explanation about that, and then it pops up again in the book of Malachi, and then it pops up again in Matthew, you see it in Proverbs, you see it in, you get the point, right? So it's popping up all throughout scripture, and it's teaching you more about that principle so it's important that we understand what a principle is what a covenant is what a dispensation is if you're going to read your bible the right way especially when you read the book of genesis now you have all graduated with honors on the book of genesis no i'm kidding but 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 let's get back to the story of cain and abel so the story that we have here in genesis chapter 4 is we have two brothers cain and abel who are both bringing an offering to the lord Okay the, the Bible says that that Abel was a shepherd, and he would bring an offering to the Lord from the sheep that he had, and and Cain, he was a farmer, okay He would bring an offering to the Lord of the crops that he had now time out let's pause for the cause this is not a parenting series but whenever I see good parenting in the Bible I have to highlight it okay because there's something to be learned from it let's not skip the fact that both Cain and Abel were taught to bring the Lord an offering let's not skip the fact that both Cain and Abel were taught the importance of bringing something to the Lord where did they learn that from well their parents Adam and Eve Adam and Eve walked in perfect union with God and in that perfect union with God at some point, we don't know where because it's not recorded in the scriptures, they were taught the importance of bringing an offering to the Lord. And what they did was they taught that to Cain and Abel, their children. When did they teach it? I don't know. It's not recorded. But we know that they were taught to bring an offering to the Lord. I'm just going to pause for the calls and say to all of the parents right now, I'm going to ask you a question. What are you intentionally teaching your children to bring to the Lord? What are you teaching your children about what you bring to the Lord? What are you teaching them about having a relationship with God? What are you teaching to your children about regularly communing with the Lord in prayer? Are you teaching your children to serve others? Are you teaching your children to honor the Lord with their finances? So, so you don't, See where this is taught exactly, but you can see that they were taught to bring to the Lord an offering. And that's a good thing, right, parents? That's a really good thing to know that mom and dad were teaching Cain and Abel. All right, so let's get back to the rivalry. I have to pause whenever we get to parenting because we have a lot of young couples at this church. I'm in the thick of parenting. You guys know my story. For those of you that don't know me, I got three boys a seven year old, a nine year old, and a 13 year old. All boys, no girls. Apparently, I can't make a woman, so that's just, it is what it is, all right? That's, that's my fault, okay? I'm raising my boys, and so anytime I get an opportunity to talk about parenting, I'll stick it in there, but let's go back to Cain and Abel, and let's look at what's going on here, because as I said a minute ago, God favored Abel's offering, and he did not favor Cain's offering. Why is that? Here's the reason why, and if you're taking notes, write this down, and if you're not taking notes, just write this down anyway, okay? Cain brought the Lord some of what he had. Abel brought the Lord the first of what he had. Cain brought the Lord some of what he had. Abel brought the Lord the first of what he had. Can you all say some? Some. Can you say first? First. They're not the same thing, are they? Some speaks of leftovers. First means the very first goes to God. Some means whatever I got left over, that's what I'm bringing you. Let, Let me ask this question, okay? how many of you would rather eat a leftover steak than a steak that's fresh off the grill? Come on, men. That's cardinal sin, right? Don't give me a steak out of the microwave. We're not doing that. Now listen to me, ladies. If you are dating a man and he prefers a reheated steak over a steak fresh off the grill, that's a major red flag, okay? Just leave him now. He's probably a serial killer. Just run. There's something wrong with him. He's not right. I'm kidding. But I want to use that example because how many know that so many things are are different when they are first? When things are first, they speak of priority. When they are first, they speak of intent. And, and, And can I give you a hard truth this morning when it comes to giving God our first? How many of you like hard truths over easy lies? I'd rather take a hard truth over an easy lie. Don't lie to me. Okay, tell me the truth. All right. So here's the hard truth. When God is first in your life, you will have no problem giving him first of what's in your life. When God is first in your life, when he's really first, not you say he's first, not you tell your mama he's first, not you come to church to check the box first. I'm talking about when God is really first in your life, you will always give him what is first in your life. Now, conversely, track with me now. I love you. I'm your pastor and I am your friend, okay? But conversely, When God is not first in your life, you will always have a hard time giving him first of what's in your life. When he is not first in your life, you're always going to struggle giving him what is first in your life. Okay, Pastor Josh, what are you talking about with first? Well, the first of your time. You see, so many times, Sunday being the first day of the week, we look at it as giving God our first, and that's why Sundays matter. This is why gathering matters. This is why it is so important when Paul said, do not give up on meeting together regularly. So Sunday is the first day of the week, so we give them our first. We talk about giving God the first of our talents. God has gifted so many of you with special gifts and abilities. I'm talking about things you were born with, things that nobody taught you. How many of you know what things you got in you that is just a God-given thing? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are artists. You're great. Put a pencil in your hand. You can go. When I was 12 years old, my dad sat me on a drum set. No one ever taught me, but it worked, and I could play the drums. At 12 years old, I'm not saying I was incredible, but it was there. Like like the the ingredients were there for me to be a drummer, and I then, you know, uh, I I then discipled myself, taught myself, and I, I learned how to play the drums and lessons, all that stuff, okay? So there are certain things that God gives you. When you bring those talents back to God, you're giving them Your first. Now, now there's also what's called the tithe. Can you guys say tithe? The tithe is when, that is specifically what I'm going to be talking about today when it comes to our finances, okay? So write this down. We now give to God our first through our tithe. We now give God our first through what is now called our tithe. What is the tithe? The tithe is the first 10% of our income. And the first 10% of, the, uh, of our income, what God has given to me, I take the, the first 10% and I give it to God through the local church. And you need to get that language, Lighthouse Church, because language matters. The tithe is not, I gave it to the pastor. That ain't it, okay? The tithe is not, I gave it to my church. No, 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 no. The tithe is, I gave it to God through the church that I call my home church. I, I, I gave it to God through my local church. That is the tithe. And the tithe is the first 10%, okay? You can't give 2% and call it a tithe. A tithe comes from the word 10. A tenth is a tithe. You can't give 1% and say that my 1% identifies as 10%. You can't do that either. It's a joke, okay? But, but your 1% can't identify as, as a 10% and say, that's my tithe. So I want to teach on that today, because again, you me, you've heard this before, but for many of you, you're already getting uncomfortable. Like, I came to church on a Sunday, and the pastor's talking about money. And, and if that's the case, let me just say you, when we talk about finances, giving, tithing, and offerings, I want you to get this, giving is a matter of the heart, not a matter of your finances. Okay, there, there it is. Y'all tracking with me now? When we talk about giving, it's not, giving is not a measure of your finances as much as it is a matter of your heart. Giving is a matter of your heart. Did, did you know that the number 10, okay, there are different numbers that in the Bible, they represent different things. The number seven is, represents excellence and completeness. God created the heavens and the earth and all the world in seven days. Did you know that the number 10 represents a test 10 is the number that represents testing there were how many commandments given from God to Israel 10 it's a test God tested Israel 10 times in the wilderness Jacob was tested 10 times by his father Laban Daniel was first tested in Babylon for 10 days so I want you to get this the tithe is a test of what your heart the tithe is a test of your heart and i'll say this it's the only area where god invites you to test him back did you know that listen the bible says all throughout the bible uh all throughout the scriptures we read okay you are not to test the lord don't tempt the lord except there's one verse i want you to hear me good on this where god said you can test me in this one area and guess which area he said you can test me in your finances He says that that in Malachi. He says, test me this day on this thing and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Like that's the one area where he's like, I don't want you playing games with me. (laughs) How many know that God can be like that? We see, you know, a lot of us look at Jesus, maybe Jesus holding a lamb, real sweet, compassionate. You don't know that sometimes Jesus would, you know, You you can catch some words from him, all right? And Jesus said, Don't mess with me, but if you do want to test me in one thing, you can test me in the area of your finances. And this is what he says Test me in this thing and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. That's the one thing that he said. Now, let me give you some New Testament scripture because a lot of times when we start talking about finances and people start getting really squirmy when they talk about finances, they think, Well, that's just in the Old Testament. So let me just give you what Jesus said. I am reading to you the red letters of the Bible, meaning this was spoken by Jesus himself. He says this where your treasure is there your heart will be also jesus is the one that connected your heart to your finances not pastor josh okay don't be looking at me cross-eyed i know many mean you're like you're looking at your neighbor that you invited for the first time and you're like normally my pastor preaches better okay i don't know why he's preaching like this no 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 listen jesus said this okay J- jesus said where your heart is it's where your treasure is i mean if i were to put this in today if you showed me your bank statement i'll tell you what's important to you I could just read your bank statement. I'll just, as the, as the kids say, I'll just check your receipts, okay? And that'll let me know exactly where your heart is because your heart is connected to your spend. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is where your heart is going to be. So I want to teach this principle. I've just given you a whole setup, but I need for you to understand the principle because if you don't get the principle, you'll, you'll know what to do without knowing why to do it. So can we go to the why now? All of that's a big setup. Let's get to the wider. Let's go to Exodus chapter 13 verses 1 to 2. Remember, Abel brought what was first. That's where we begin to see the principle. But in Exodus, which is now hundreds of years later, God begins to codify through his commandments, meaning what was first evidenced in the life of Abel God begins to put some meat behind this thing. And he's like, I'm going to give you some some commands here about it. This is what he says in Exodus 13, verses 1 to 2. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me the firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. firstborn. The firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me. Human or animal. Did you catch that? God said, all the firstborn is mine. God said that. God told Moses to teach my people that all of the firstborn, whether it's an animal or a human, that all belongs to me. That's the principle of first. So write this down. The first belongs to God. The first belongs to God. So as as God is codifying these behaviors here with Israel he begins to teach them that when you have an Anna when you have animals and your livestock have babies You got to take the first one and offer it up to me as a sacrifice so that I can bless the rest Okay, the first one belongs to me now He did say humans. So for those of you that are real astute, you might be thinking like wait a second this sounds a little strange. It wasn't just the animals. Some of you are like, I'm okay with the animals because I follow some of y'all on Instagram. Y'all have farms. Like some of you guys are raising animals. You guys are credible. I can't do that. I'm a city slicker. But, but some of y'all are like, I've seen you guys raising Thanksgiving. You guys are something else. So, so some of you are like, no problem with the animals. But what do you do when God says, but the firstborn human also belongs to me? This is why you have to read further in the scripture. So let's go, same chapter, verses 12 through 13. And now we get some more teaching. It says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Watch this now. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem redeem everybody say redeem Redeem. so what God says is this rather than give me your sons okay you bring a lamb to the priest and the priest is going to offer up a sacrifice and that's going to redeem your children so you keep your firstborn. But just know that the firstborn is required to bless what is rest. i am going to let you keep your firstborn because I know that those are your children that I have given you. But you still have to bring to me a lamb that is going to be sacrificed to redeem that child and to redeem all the children that are to come. Are you all tracking with me so far? You needed to redeem the firstborn with the sacrifice of the lamb. And when you do that, you honor God by giving him your first. So so Exodus 13 is is this this, this breakdown of of teaching about giving God what is your first. It's, it's, It's giving some meat, some language, some context to what we just witnessed in Genesis 4. But As with all of the Bible if you read Exodus 13 and you don't understand Exodus 12 you're gonna miss the principle of Exodus 13 so let me give you Exodus 12 you guys track with me so far in Exodus 12 Israel all of the nation of Israel which is 2 million people around 2 million people at that time they are slaves to Egypt can y'all say Egypt how do you think those pyramids were built 2 million Israeli slaves that they were slaves to Egypt. They were their labor force. And and they had been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And, 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 And what happens is they were crying out to God that they wanted to come out from underneath the hardship of being slaves in Egypt. And when God heard, when he heard their prayers, he said, it's time to get my people out of Egypt. So he raises up Moses to be his deliverer. Aaron goes with him, who's going to be his spokesperson. Together, Moses and Aaron, they go to Pharaoh. They say to Pharaoh, you need to let our people go so that they can go and worship in freedom. Pharaoh said, not going to happen. You're not going to take these. You're not taking my workforce with you. So God sent plagues to Israel. How many plagues? 10. The number of testing. Okay. So God sent 10 plagues To Pharaoh. Now, the very last plague that came to Pharaoh, if you remember, was God said, I'm gonna, if you don't let my people go, I'm gonna take all of your firstborn children. And to Israel, he said, you need to redeem your firstborn by sacrificing a lamb and applying blood to the doorposts of your home. And when you do that, when the angel, the death angel, comes to take all the firstborn in, in Egypt back to me, I'm going to pass over your home. That's the origin of Passover, and that has continued to be celebrated to this day. And so what happened in Egypt was after that, after a lamb was sacrificed to be to have his blood spread on the doorposts of the home that is now the passover but then all the firstborn god took them now you might be thinking man god god god's kind of mean like he took all the firstborn he did why because they belong to him they all belong to him anyway i know we think of it like man he killed all those people no what he did is he took them to be together with him because he's a good God, and he's a loving God, but we see this principle all throughout the scriptures, where the first belongs to him, so God takes all of the firstborn, and when he takes all of the firstborn, he says to Israel, if you will offer up a lamb as a sacrifice, if, if, you, if you bring a lamb, and there were conditions about this lamb, okay, these needed to be a, a, a lamb without spot, wrinkle, and blemish, these needed to be perfect lambs, and, and, and when you offer these lambs up, now you have redeemed your children, and I will not take your firstborn. Okay, so you guys get that so far? All right, that's Exodus 12. Exodus 13, Moses is talking about, these are the things we're going to do with our firstborn, and then it gets down to this verse, because you still might be wondering, okay, but like, how are these connected, and, 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 and how do I make the how do I make the connection between what he's asking us to do in Exodus 13 where the firstborn belongs to me or you got to redeem it with the lamb? What's the connection and why do we teach this? Well, let's go down to verses 13 and 14. We're back in Exodus chapter 13, but we're reading for verses 14 through 15. And it says this, in the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? In other words, when your son sees you sacrificing the lamb, to redeem the firstborn when your children are old enough to understand what's happening and they ask you their father what does this mean you begin to tell your children the story can you all say story i love this part right here so this is now when you begin to teach to your children with a mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb, and I redeem each of my firstborn sons. What Moses was saying is, when your children ask, why do you do this? You have the opportunity to tell them the story about how God saved you. See, many of us, when we... Talk about giving God our first, whether it's your time, whether it's your finances, or whether it's your talent. Many of us haven't been taught the why, but why I give God what I give him is because he saved me. Because he saw me with all of my flaws. He saw me with all of my shortcomings. He saw me with all of my failures. And he still thought I was worth dying for. He's loved me so much that he sends his son to die in my place. Not dying for me, but dying as me. Because I'm the one who deserves to die because of my sin. Paul says that the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty that we pay for sin. But instead, God sent his son who dies as me. So every time I give God my best, I get to tell someone it's because of how he saved me. It's because of what he's done for me. I've shared with you guys that at the end of every year, we do a year-end offering here at the church, and what I'll do is I'll get my kids together and I'll pull out my checkbook. I don't, I don't have checks that that use get used very often. I'm, I'm a real, I have a checkbook, but it rarely makes an appearance. It makes an appearance in December, and I write a check for the church. And every year, I give a year-end offering gift to the church. And when I do that, and when I, I show it to my children, and my children probably look at that, they're like, "Dad, we can buy a lot of stuff with that money. That is, there's a lot of zeros on that check, Dad." Why, why are we doing this? And I get to tell them the story of how good God has been to me. About how everything I have, I don't deserve. About everything that I have, it is all a gift from God. That he has given me resources, not not to man, not just to manage, but to steward. He, he entrusts with me resources. And I have the opportunity to tell my kids, the home that you live in, the things that you enjoy, all of these have been given by God and we give God our best, and we give God back what is first. Come on, let's give God some praise for that, and I'm coming to a close now. Now, I need to teach. I got to continue teaching this out. You guys tracking with me so far? Maybe you never heard it like this. You're like, oh my God, all of this is about to die. Yes, it is, but I want you to see something more, because the title of this sermon is A Generous Father, and I want to show you that God, too, gave a tithe. I want to show you that God, too, gave his first. So, so so, when we start talking about giving God our first, I don't want you to look at that as he just wants so much from you. I want you to look at that as reciprocity. Meaning he gave his first for you. So let me take you to A.D. 30. And John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus. It's a family business, okay? John the Baptist is preaching that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John the Baptist is teaching about forgiveness and repentance and why everybody must repent from their sins and be baptized unto forgiveness. And so as he's doing this, he goes to the Jordan River and people are lining up to get baptized. And one day, as people are lining up to get baptized, there's there's a line of people. Jesus gets in that line. Now, John can't see him, but Jesus is in that line. And as Jesus slowly begins to make his way to the front of that line to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist is... Ways deep in the Jordan River. And when he sees Jesus in that moment, by supernatural revelation, he sees him not as his cousin, but he sees him as the Messiah. And this is what John says of Jesus the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God. Everybody say Lamb, lamb. not the lion. Okay, he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. There's a lot of scriptures of him, okay? Not the lion, all right? The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You've got to understand that if God's going to say you need to offer up a lamb to redeem the sons and daughters, he's going to offer up his son as the lamb of God in order to redeem all of us back to the Father. You see, he's a generous father, because when it came time to redeeming us, he knew that an animal would not work, but what he would do was send his son, and and Paul calls him the firstborn among many brethren. So he sends his firstborn son to be given as a lamb, exactly what Exodus 13 was talking about. So Jesus was, I want you to get this now, Jesus was God's tithe Jesus was God's tithe he gave his first he gave his best his only begotten son given for you and given for me you see Lighthouse Church this this is why I've been on this journey of giving God my best of giving God what's first now I want you to hear what I'm going to say right now and I want you to hear my heart giving is not law. It is not. Giving does not save you. And because you are saved, that does not require you to give either. That's tracking with me. But giving as a principle is not law, but it is life. It's not law, but it is life. I, the, one, the one thing I don't want you to walk out of here, Lighthouse Church, just think, man, that passage is all preached about money. You've missed the whole thing. If that's what you're going to walk out of here with. What I do want you to walk out of here with is that God invites us in to this principle of where when we give God our best, he redeems the rest. He redeems the rest. And so I've just given God my best. And I've seen him bless everything else in my life and in my family and in my household. I've never met a person who gave God tithe and were committed to giving God their first say, worst decision of my life. Hate it. Terrible. I don't recommend it for anyone. No, no, no. And you all know that when you ask someone who is a tither and you ask them what's it been like for you, you guys already know what the answer is going to be. Best decision I've ever made. This has been life for me. And yet many of us, we, that's the hard truth. We, we don't want to deal with that. We, we, we don't want to go there. But you and I both know That we've never met anyone who's committed to tithing who has not seen the hand of God bless their life. But it's life, everybody. It's not law. It's life. And so it's important for me to teach you this so that you understand that this is the journey that God invites us into. And I love how in the New Testament, people say, well, you don't see tithe in the New Testament. You don't, but do you want to know what you see in the book of Acts? The Bible says that they gave everything that they had to the church. Some people are like, I want to be a New Testament church. Well, the book of Acts gives us a whole other standard, right? The book of Acts says they were selling houses and giving all the money to the church. They were doing all the... No one's calling you into that. But what I will let you know is that there is a life of blessing that God calls us into. And next week, I'm going to talk more about generosity. But I really needed to talk about the tithe today because I'm inviting you into that journey. And it's the only area where God says, test me in this. Test me in this. He says that. Test me in the tithe. So my wife and I, we've tested God in this. And last year, last year, when we did, you know, we had to do taxes, everything in April and all of that, I I showed my wife and I was so excited to tell her, I said, baby, last year we gave 14% of our income back to the church. We we decided a long time ago that the tithe was going to be the floor and not the ceiling because we want to live generously. And I've known that as whatever if if I can live open-handed meaning if God whatever God gives me I've got two postures I can either close my hands and say it's mine or I can live open-handed when you live open-handed you are positioned to receive more and give more but when you start to close your fists to what God is giving you you are closing your fists to what he wants to the the more that he wants to give you because you can't receive more from this posture I'm trying to compel you to start living like this and not like this. So many of you are like this, my money. It's mine. And if I give God anything, I give him my leftovers. I said a minute ago, it's not just tithing. I'm so grateful because in two, two weeks, my son Jaden is going to get baptized. I'm so excited. Y'all celebrate with me? Can Y'all celebrate with me? Come on. Daddy's proud. He's 13 years old. And what I love about this is at 13 years old, he's decided I want to give my life to Christ. I always advocate for our youth. I pray that they would decide to live for Christ early. Do you want to know why? Because I've heard people say this. Well, you know, pastor, I don't want to get baptized. I want to go live my life first. And when I'm done living my life, then I'll get baptized. He, here's what you're saying. I'm going to give the best of myself to the world. And when I'm done giving the best of myself to the world, then I'll give God what I have left. And there are some people here that will sit you down and talk to you about the dangers of that type of lifestyle. I'm talking about the people that have lived through some stuff. I can't say that I've been there. I gave my life to Christ when I was 11 years old. I was about to be 12 years old and I've never looked back. So I can't sit here and tell you that I know what it's like to be addicted. I can't tell you that I've ever done time. I can't, I, that's not my story. I was never in a gang. That wasn't my story. Okay. And I thank God for that. But there are others that'll talk you out of that line of thinking. I'll just give God, when I'm ready to settle down, then I'll give my life to God, no, 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 give God your best right now, I say give God the best that you have right now, give him your life right now, there's there's no reason to delay, I'm so excited that my son is going to get baptized now, because I believe that from this day forward, from his baptism forward, he, he's going to give his best years to God, he's going to give God the the first of his years back to God, and I'm so excited, so, so what is your next step, why do I say all that, because we're looking for a next step, some of you need to get baptized, And we will baptize you on July 9th. And we would love to celebrate that day together with you. Like I said, my son's going to get baptized. We got other youth that are getting baptized. Youth that went to camp are getting baptized. Come on, we're excited about that. Young people giving the best of themselves to God. As I said just a minute ago, many of you guys have different talents that you, God has given to you. Use those talents to serve him. Give those talents back to God in service, whatever they are. Give those talents back to him. And then, of course, we've talked about the tithe. That was really the crux of a message. And, and I want to land here. When people hear this type of teaching, and again, it's not law. It's life. Okay? Don't, don't walk out of here saying, I got to. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't walk out of here with that. If, if that's, you will have missed it. It's the life that God invites us into. Okay? It's, it's principles of living a blessed life. Okay? But there are usually two people. You have, they have two postures when they hear about tithing. Number one is they don't believe in it and they're not going to do it. And, and to that person, I will just say, that's between you and God. And, and I've said this a lot at Lighthouse Church. We will never compel you to give, but we will unapologetically ask you to have a conversation with your Father. Whatever God tells you to give, do that. And if God is only leading you to give X amount, then do that. Because that is what you, in prayer, through, through genuine searching, have decided is what's right for you based on what you've heard from God. But then there's a second person, okay? The second person is, I want to tithe, but I cannot because my finances are not buttoned up. I mean, I, I, I live off of everything that I make, Pastor Josh. It's like paycheck to paycheck, Pastor Josh. It's tight, Pastor Josh. And if that's you and you're saying, but I do want to tithe, and I do want to be a generous person, and I do want to be in control of my finances, I want to help you. I really do because that was me. Now, strangely enough, I've always been a tither. I knew to do this from the point that I was 16 years old, working a summer job. I've always been a tither, but no one ever taught me how damaging credit card interest could be. Like, no one ever talked about that, you know what I mean? Church was all about speaking in tongues. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. We were, wow. Church was all about loud music, running around, speaking in tongues, having a good time. No one ever talked to us about the importance of credit, managing this, the resources God has given you. It, no one ever talked about good debt and bad debt. No one ever talked to me about that. I wish someone would have. It would have saved me from having to go and fix stuff later in life. But, but for those of you that are like, I want to, but I, I just, I don't know if I can do that given my financial situation. Here's what we're going to do. I got two things for you. Tomorrow night, everybody say tomorrow. We've partnered with an incredible ministry called Thrive It. And we're going to have a dinner meeting with them tomorrow night. We've been promoting it. It's been in our emails. Uh, If if you're like, I never knew about this. We've been promoting it. It's been in our emails. But I decided to not include it in the announcement so I can tell it to you now as your next step. If you need to get your budget under control, go to that meeting tomorrow night. I will be there, okay? It's going to be at the Film Hub just down the street. And um, we're going to be helping you to get your budget under control because that's so important. It's so key, okay? And, And then, can I just... Can i just share with you something really cool that happened here at this church my, my my brother jacob and his wife liz they led a connect group in our winter spring season of connect groups and that Connect group was called financial peace university and people came in because they were in that second group right they wanted to be more generous but they just didn't have control of their finances it's like their finances had control of them it wasn't the other way around so they joined this nine-week, is it nine weeks? They joined this nine-week connect group called Financial Peace University, and it's going to open again in the fall. And I would love for every single one of you, if you are in debt, and I'm talking about bad debt, I'm not talking about you got a mortgage, that's, that's, that's all right. We live in California. You can't buy those things cash unless you're really rich, all right? So, so I, you got a mortgage, that's fine. I'm talking about bad debt. I'm talking about you got a Macy's card, okay? I'm talking about you got you got some charge cards that, come on now, just not, not good stuff debt, not good debt, all right? I'm talking about bad debt. You need to get in Financial Peace University and learn how God has given us the power to steward the resources that he's given us. Can I just brag on this group real quick? Do you guys want to know how much money they paid off in nine weeks together, this Connect group? In nine weeks, they paid off 97,874 dollars and 83 cents in nine weeks 97,874 dollars and 83 cents they put in savings in that same period of time 135,309 dollars they paid off and cut meaning we ain't going back to this lifestyle 15 cards 15 credit cards Paid off, cut, gone. We ain't gonna we ain't gonna do that anymore. You might be thinking, what's the big deal with credit cards? Well the Bible teaches us that the borrower is slave to the lender. I'm not trying to be a slave to nobody. And and, and and I know you think you got you know you like sometimes we think we've got it under control, but the Bible teaches us that when you are living in debt to someone, you have become their slave. You're a slave to the lender. And I want you to be free in all areas of your life. I don't want you to have your soul freed, but your finances locked up. You know what I'm saying? And so, listen to me, Lighthouse. I'm closing with this, and uh, I've given you a whole bunch of next steps. But but if, if you want to see changes in this area, because, again, you're like, Pastor, I want to give, but I can't. Like, my fine, I can't do what you just did. And can I tell you, I started somewhere, too. Like, I started at 10, and it was like, we're going to give 10.25. Man, we're going to give half, And we just kept climbing. We're at 14. I don't know where we're going to be by the time I turn 60. But all I know is every year I want to give more to the church to God through the church than what I gave the year before because I, there, I've learned this you cannot outgive God for some of you you like that's a lot of money Pastor Josh you don't understand like God's been good to me because he's been good to me I'm going to be good to him and I'm not going to live like this I'm going to live like this you're going to live like this so you've got some next steps Lighthouse Church next week I'm going to talk about generosity we'll close out the series but you've got to get this life of tithing and my prayer is that all of you will have a conversation with the Father and decide where you want to go. But again, for some of you, that's just baptism. Some of you are like, I'm not even money. I'm not even sure if I believe who Jesus is. You know what I mean? So it's like all of us are in different places. But if you've never been water baptized, that's your next step, okay? It, it, after that, you join the church. After you join the church, you figure out how you can start serving. church. see, it's, it's, we're all on a journey. So let me pray for you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And let me just pray so that wherever you're at, you would feel compelled to start giving God your first and giving God your best. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for everyone that is here. Thank you, God, for how you're moving in this church. And I thank you, Lord God, for all that we've been learning about the blessed life. And really early on, we learned, God, that your kingdom is upside down. There are a lot of principles in your kingdom that don't make sense. You said that the way up is down. You said that whoever wanted to be the greatest needed to become the servant. And now here in our finances, once again, you meet us there and you say... That there are things that you lead us into that don't make sense. But Father, we choose faith over sense. We choose trust over sense. We choose life over law. We understand, God, that your kingdom is unlike any other kingdom. And so I just pray that everyone here today would begin taking steps, Lord God. If they've never been water baptized, that's their step, Lord. If they've never surrendered their life to you, that's their step. And I just pray that you would compel them to make those decisions today. For anybody, Lord God, that is just wanting to give, but but they can't give. They're they're living paycheck to paycheck. It's tight every single week. I pray, God, that they would take that next step and to meet with us and have an open, transparent, honest conversation of how they can put a bunch together and start being a steward not a spender but a steward of the resources that you've given them and for some people god it's just a journey of tithing they've been giving you leftovers but today they're feeling compelled to give you the first that may be the first three four five but it's a journey and it's something and eventually lord god you're going to lead them to the place where you want them to be so wherever they're at lord god would you meet them in jesus name we pray amen head us stand on our feet if you're wondering where do i start with all this go to the start here canopy let them know sign me up for baptism or sign me up for that workshop tomorrow i want to be there go there that's your hub for everything we're going to go back into worship if you need prayer meet me down here for everyone else god bless you we love you can't wait to see you next sunday as we continue the blessed life have a great sunday if this message has blessed your life i want to encourage you to share this message with others Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.